Duncan McLeod, and this is the Tech Central podcast brought to you today by Call Miner and Genie Analytics. Now, we have what I think is going to be a fascinating discussion on our hands now on the changing face of technology in the South African context. And to do that, I have two great guests lined up today. First, from I know he's somewhere in the UK, we have Frank Sherlock, who's Vice President of International Operations at Paul Miner, and uh, Frank is uh, an old friend of the podcast, returning for this discussion today. Uh, Frank, I remember you're not in London, but I have forgotten where in the UK you are based. Uh, I'm in Liverpool, actually. Uh, we're near Liverpool uh, in the UK. So everyone knows Liverpool as a great football city. Um, everyone knows me as not a great Liverpool FC fan. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a fa- I'm, a f- I'm a fan of the, the rivals uh, across the park called uh, Everton for those that that know them. So uh, great to be invited back there, Duncan. Um, clearly, uh, my first uh, podcast with you was such a runaway success. I'm here again. So thank you. Well, thanks and well, welcome back and uh, welcome to you. Uh, and it's great to have you on the show again. But uh, joining Frank today, we also have a new guest uh, on Tech Central, and that is the MD of Genie Analytics. And his name is Peter Flanagan. Peter, you're in Cape Town today. Is that right? I am indeed. I'm happy to be so. Um, well, weather's been a bit like the UK lately, so. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, happy to be here. Great. Well, thanks, mate. Pleasure. Well, welcome to both of you, and thanks for joining me on the show today. So today we're going to be talking about um, how the technology environment in South Africa has changed quite dramatically in the last 10 years or so, um, particularly, I think, in, in, in recent years. And we're going to have a look at how that has helped pave the way for this partnership uh, we're going to be talking today about, and that's the partnership between Call Miner and Genie Analytics. Um, but before we get there, maybe a, a good starting point would be a bit of background on the two companies. Um, so, Peter, let me start with you. In brief, what does uh, Genie Analytics do? How long has it been around for? And who are your cli- clients mainly? Okay, good. So, thank you, Duncan. Um, the business started six years ago, and it was uh, built out of the passion uh, uh, from, a, from a few individuals that had spent their lives in the, in the context in the industry. Um, and had uh, seen the frustration and challenges with the good, solid insights to inform change, inform direction, and, and uh, generally fuel uh, the contact centers uh, with intelligence to, to make the right decisions. And, uh, and it's all based on that uh, foundation. Um, and, then, and, it's, and it's kept that uh, uh, sort of focus to all those move from a consultative business into a much more tech-driven uh, business. So today our slogan is uh, change your conversations, change your business. And that holds true for most of what we do, if we can really get to understand what's happening in the interactions between our, ourselves and our customers, or organizations and their customers, uh, we can be informed and get the intelligence that's going to help us make the right decision. So we have a lot of domain expertise, a lot of experience, and it's channeled into two, two areas fundamentally. The first is the conversational analytics, and, uh, and that is everything about understanding the insights that go down within the conversation itself. And, uh, and there we have a, a level of automation, obviously, with the core miner, allowing us to do speech analytics on, on interactions, voice, uh, digital, doesn't matter, and uh, automatically across all interactions, mining for those golden nuggets of information. And then our uh, own proprietary technology is, is focused on, on the deeper dive and the deeper analytics to get the surfacing the root cause analysis of when, when, uh, when core miners you know, to indicate what's changing and it's maybe changing in the wrong direction. We use our own technology, uh, the Genie Analytical QA solution to 
to surface those reasons and the causal factors behind that to help uh, transform. Okay. And then the other side of our business is uh, around uh, um, AI and uh, as Studio Analytics and AI is our company name. And uh, it's about the creation of AI-driven autonomous automated predictive customer engagement solutions. And simply put, that is the ability to, to use machine learning models to predict customer behavior and then a, a, a real-time prediction recommender capability to, to intervene and to nudge and to influence customer outcome or journey and then the ultimate outcome. All right, I, have, are, I have to ask, Peter, you, I, while doing a bit of research um, for this podcast, I uh, visited the Genie Analytics website and I see the former South African Springbok uh, rugby captain, the winning captain from 1995, is on the board of directors. Uh, what's the backstory there? Francois is uh, Francois Pina is a, a good friend of ours. He's particularly a good friend of the founder of our business, uh, Kubus Vanavestaisen, and uh, he saw the opportunity. He was uh, sold on the idea and, and believed in what we've been doing, and has stuck with us for the last uh, six years. Uh, put some seed uh, capital into the business and uh, has enjoyed the ride with us. Uh, we we do leverage his his uh, relationships from time to time, but uh, by and large, uh, Francois is just a good solid uh, shareholder in the business. Fantastic, fantastic. I think, Frank, you can see that my interests lie more with more with rugby than with football. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to you'll have to forgive me there. I don't I have no idea what the difference between Liverpool and Everton. I'm probably going to get I'm probably going to get angry emails when this podcast is published. Uh, about you, how, you, how dare you not know about these football teams? You, you, um, you'll get trolls, I think, if you uh, if you <laughs> now you now you've confessed to that. I'm in big uh, trouble now. I'm in big trouble now. So let's let's talk tech before I get my dig myself okay. any deeper into a hole. Um, Frank, I think many listeners to this podcast know about Call Miner by now, um, but for the benefit of those who are perhaps new to the company, in a, in a few words, what, what is it that Call Miner does? So we're a software company. We're a conversation analytics company, um, and put simply, Duncan. All of these interactions that organizations are having with their, with their customers are, whether they be by web chat, email, um, audio, they are data. That, but the problem is that unstructured data that's locked away within the, within the systems, what we do is we unlock that data. We turn it into structured data to give our customers actionable insight. So processes that could be improved, uh, helping them to understand and convert more sales, collect more money, improve operational efficiency. So a whole set of different use cases and playbooks. But it, it is all about turning lots and lots and lots of unstructured data into structured data to deliver actionable insight to our customers. And how do you typically engage with your clients? I mean, is it, it sounds like fairly complex stuff, this. Uh, do you... Um, is it, do do businesses face the similar set of set of challenges in 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 the same industries, or do you have to go in and and do you find that um, the requirements of of companies are vastly different even in the same sectors? Uh, a, a bit of both, to be honest, Duncan. The, 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 within within a within a contact center, let's think about audio. You know, there are general behaviors and standards that you'd expect from agents. Things like you know. Uh, rapport building, empathy, uh, ownership of, of customers' problems in a, in a service environment. And we have built a whole set of um, out-of-the-box um, categorization and playbooks around the standards. And then we adapt and tune for particular you know, bespoke requirements that we may see from customer to customer. So it's a little bit of both, but 
but we never, you know, we pride ourselves with, you know, we don't, our customers don't start with, with a blank canvas. We, you know, we've been in this business for 20 years. We, we've, we've probably mined millions and millions and millions of hours worth of audio. We've got a research and development arm that, that, that has allowed us to say, hey, you know, what does, what does normal look like and deliver normal to the customer's stock. Fascinating. So really at the cutting edge of, of uh, some of the advancements in the information technology industry today. But let's let's paint a picture of let's 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 bring it back to the conversation for, uh, of today. And that's having a look at how the South African market has advanced in, in recent years from a technology perspective. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking back 10, 10 years ago it, and imagining that if we had had the COVID-19 pandemic uh, um, back then, that South Africa would have been in a very difficult position because m- most home users were either connected via a 2G or 3G connection, or if they were lucky, they had a copper ADSL line, which was, compared to today's standards, very slow. And we've seen fantastic change in that period. Uh, you know, at least in the big cities, everyone's connected to to ultra-fast fiber connections now. Businesses are hooked up to fiber. The telecommunications environment has changed fundamentally, and I imagine that's an important a component um, for um, for underpinning what Call Miner does as a business, um, but you're watching this market from an external point of view. You're in the UK. Um, what are some of the developments you've seen in South Africa in the last few years that have got you excited? Oh, well, from my perspective, you know, I've been I've been dealing in in Africa and South Africa for for twenty years uh, on and off. You know, but back in the days of when organizations like Safaricom in Kenya were established, et cetera. So right. yeah, to take take your point, you know, back in the days where perhaps the infrastructure wasn't wasn't all it's been. But over the last 10 years, I've seen an enormous amount of, you know, I've always thought South Africa is is a, a really innovative nation. It, it, I think innovation, it, it it's not afraid of challenge, it's not afraid of change. And and I think within the within sectors like in particular, if you if you dial the clock back ten years ago, maybe you know, out, business process outsourcing. So outsource, outsource contact centers, mm-hmm. outsource customer experience. You know, we often heard about Hyderabad and places like that being, you know, that the, it's all going to be in India and right. in that in that BPO space. And it's been driven by by things like the availability of cloud technology, but backed by 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 a. Know well educated, highly available uh, workforce. The BPO market, I think, in particular, has seen you know massive strides. And financial services. You know, South Africa, South Africa has some some wonderful uh, trend leading financial services companies, companies like Investec, for example. And and you know those companies have have almost and I've seen this. They've almost been a step ahead of mm-hmm. say. Similar financial services companies in the UK, they haven't been they haven't been um, preoccupied or distracted by by the legacy, you know, the legacy networks, and they've been able to make quantum leaps. So I've seen, you know, particularly in them spaces, that it's the the attractiveness of the workforce, the 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 availability of technology, the the culture uh, around not being afraid of innovation and change. Has, has made South Africa a really, really attractive work, uh, place, not just for companies like Coal Miner, but for many, many other companies. So that's, but Peter, you know, you're 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 in the market. I guess you may have a different, you know, another perspective on that. Yeah. No, Rick, I think uh, Frank, everything you say is uh, is true, and um, I think there is definitely a boldness that exists in South Africa to uh, adopt and, and experiment and uh, and and venture down new technologies. I think. 
We are seeing uh, today, I mean, I've been around in the industry a long time. Uh, there's a, it used to be dominated and, and, uh, and really controlled by a couple of big technology vendors providing uh, infrastructure and applications end-to-end, all one system doing everything. And those days, it's slowly died. Over the last 10 years, that's almost gone now. And, and there's a lot of more acceptance of um, niche solutions, uh, focus on particular challenges, particular needs, and to drive that extra little bit of uh, value and differentiation out of the, the solutions. And that's fortunately where we see ourselves and, and core miners exactly there. And so the acceptance of specialization and need for, for, uh, for, for that extra bit of differentiation, I, I think is very prominent. And so it's not a, only about maintaining service levels, it's about really driving, collecting more, selling more. And I think that the advent of COVID in the last 18 months has, has seen a, a, quite a shift in our customers, not so much concerned with just, you know, the customer experience levels and and the general hygiene factors of, of the contact center, but really wanting to to hold on to their customers and and to collect uh, more effectively from them and in these tough times, so it's really that specialisation that's that's coming through quite strongly. And I think we fit very well with that. Uh, uh, you know, having core miner in our stable, having our deep transformational analytic uh, capability is is really positioned as well. So so that so it's really opened up the market. It was pretty closed for a long time, mm-hmm. and in, by the by the big vendors. And I think the other thing, Frank, that you picked on was the the industries that that are quite mature, like the financial and uh, our healthcare industries are, are particularly mature. And and we're working very closely uh, with uh, um, uh, solutions for behavioral banking. I mean, South Africa's bragging one of the first behavioral banking uh, capabilities in in the world. And 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 the and the wellness solutions that we work with, and, the, and it's sort of hyper personalization uh, capabilities are, are really being uh, driven. The technologies behind those are being driven uh, largely by the industries uh, that, um, that that demanding them. And uh, and of course, BPO has an influence uh, in our space. Uh, we can talk about that separately. But that's you know being an attractive destination, as you touched on, Frank is is really also pulling 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 along the, the solutions and the applications. Uh, indeed, I also think Duncan that the, the cloud, the the the, the availability. If you think that you can give you know easy to deploy um, applications to a nation that that, that that strives innovation and is willing to be to, to be early adopters. I think that, that the availability of cloud technologies in general, not just the sort of big infrastructure, you know, the Azures and the and the Amazons, but but having cloud-based applications that can be really easily and quickly mm-hmm. deployed. So I think the cloud's been a massive factor in some of what we've seen in the last 10 years in South Africa. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of followed on the on the investment of, in the telecommunications infrastructure because you that's kind of the base thing you need, and then the cloud sits on top of that, and everything else kind of grows out of that. But I wanted to pick up on something that um, that Peter mentioned about the BPO and the attractiveness of South Africa as a business process outsourcing market. Frank, do you think that um, that attractiveness is growing, and do you think South Africa is going to become more of a global player in the BPO space? And if you do think that, why, why do you think that? Yeah, I, I see. I see almost uh, on my social media feeds like LinkedIn, etc. You know, I see almost every week, uh, you know, an organisation, whether it be a global or, or, or a neo-local or a BPO organisation, are, are, are opening offices in Cape Town, in Devon, in Joburg. So I absolutely see see that that more and more people are putting their trust in the South African market and the South African telecommunications to take care of their customer experience needs. And I think it's driven by, by, by a couple of things. One is the technology. You know, the technology, the, 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 the broad telecoms infrastructure, 
you know, the investment that's been made in the marketplace. Two is the, 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 the cloud. I think three is probably time zone. You know, South Africa isn't five and a half, six and a half hours difference, not like being in the Philippines or India. Yeah. Um, I think that the education level, the availability of, of, of English-speaking skills, um, and, you know, I was looking at a report from Everest, and, and that was one of the – they're, they're an um, industry watcher analyst. You know, that they're forecasting their 15 to 20% growth year on year in the BPO sector in South Africa. And it's, you know, I think it's a massive um, feather in the cap of the South African marketplace that, that global brands are putting their customer experience in the hands of South Africa. I think, I think you should be very proud of that as a nation. Peter, do you think there's, I mean, just sticking with the topic of, of BPO for a moment, do you think there's more that South Africa could be doing from maybe from a government and a regulatory perspective to encourage investment in the space? Well, oh, no, I suppose they could never do enough, but I, but there has been a lot of investment both by government and the private sector, primarily on the skills development. I think because we have a natural low-cost environment, we have the technology and, and infrastructure and uh, and 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 we have time zone and all those things that are just inherent in, in in our makeup and and unfortunately create the foundation for, for BPO a good foundation, but it's really the the investment in skills and uh, and and from both government and private sector which has been there. I suppose it could always be better, but it has been there and it's helped us uh, uh, play on in the global market because the, it's very scalable. Our access to resources, uh, good English speaking resources. In this country is, is very scalable so of course we could have more but it's uh, but it served as well the investment that has taken place yeah and i and yeah sorry uh, sorry to interrupt um i actually wanted to ask frank at this point because you, you, you mentioned um issue of accents i mean time zones is a, is a huge one i suppose especially for serving the european market but um I know you wanted to, to touch specifically, Frank, on advances in speech recognition and changing changes in managing vernacular languages. Do you want to do you want to chat to that a little bit and and how that might affect um, investment in the South African context? Yeah, if you, yeah, absolutely, Duncan. I think if you if you consider what I said at that right at the start, conversation analytics to to analyze a conversation, one of the first things you need to do. What we do is we transcribe the conversation word for word. We use AI and machine learning on the transcription to deliver the insight. So therefore, the ability to, to transcribe uh, accurately is, is really important. And e even in, in English, mm -hmm. so let's just talk about English for the moment, yeah? It, US English, American speak English, uh, Australian English, UK English, and South African English are all very different. You know, we use different different phonemes that make up words. So, so, so we, we have models of you know, different, different uh, languages and different dialects to ensure that we're doing the best possible job up front on the transcription. So then we talk about, so transcription is really a heart of what we do, but, but we think about South Africa, where you've got, you know, you've got many, many different languages. You know, it, it, it's not just English, English is, good for the BPO, but if you're a South African organization serving South African consumers, you can expect to have many, many different languages. And yeah. we, we developed a, a, a standard uh, that we call Open Voice Transcription Standard, which allows us to plug into our product third-party transcription engines, um, you know, because there are organizations perhaps who, who are, um, who've developed their own you know, transcription models suitable to local markets. So the ability to, to harness their innovation 
within our product in an open standard is something that we also support and it's something that we are you know we'll be doing more and more of i think in the in in the coming you know 12 18 months in the south african market is building where we where we've started perhaps with with south african english is is, is doing african and, and and other languages yeah. uh, on top yeah it's interesting what you say about different different languages because i mean even in the south african context there are very very varied accents of english and it's the same in the uk i mean you 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 go you, you go 10 miles in the uk and you hear a completely different accent so i mean it must be a very challenging thing to manage from a technology perspective it, it, it takes it takes tens if not hundreds of thousands of hours where for training the language models so, so so you can you can cover all of those you know distinct sort of dialects and accents and you know, people often say where i'm from and you know, we talk with a with a particular a particularly strong regional accent um some some people talk really really fast mm. the word tempo is different so the ability to deal with all of that but yeah it's it's something that the you know, we've invested a lot of time and effort you know within within our within our core platform we use world leading um, transcription technology but opening up the standard is is really allowing us to to, to drive further and deeper into markets as well you know I wanted to pick up on that I think that uh, core miners bold step and uh, very uh, uh, innovative step in, in introducing a standard which has really gained momentum uh, immensely since they introduced it late last year um is 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 going to support not the commoditization but but the investment in, in transcription services for the more difficult environments like South Africa where we have language challenges because it's going to encourage I believe uh, people that have the capability and the ability to, to to develop transcription capabilities to to do so because when they can feed into a standard that gives them a, a channel to market through a core miner or any of the other big players over time I think it's going to change so we've seen the, the, the cost of transcription and the availability of transcription um, improved dramatically uh, over time. And I think that's just going to accelerate it. I mean, what, 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 what I would say, Duncan, of course, it, it, transcription is, is important, but it's what you do with the transcription that, 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 that's equally as important. Yeah? How does the machine learning and AI you know, recognize the keywords and, and phrases? How does it recognize customer emotion, etc.? So, so So it's a... Transcriptions are uh, table stakes almost, um, but, but and then, then then comes the analysis and AI machine learning of the transcription. Mm-hmm. What sort of skills do, does Coalminer hire as a matter of interest to develop these solutions? What what talent uh, are you looking for? So all sorts. So so, so you know, it can be anything from linguistics experts, you know, that that, that, that have you know degrees in heuristics, which is the science of Science of how people speak, so to you know. Uh, to uh, we've got an R and D department that's full of PhDs that are all about AI and machine learning, and then we've got you know practical practical people that that can work with our clients and and drive playbooks and deliverables. So it is a huge you know gambit of of different skills that that we have, and we're you know. One thing that, that, and I've been in this industry, uh, in, in the conversation analytics industry for five years, the, the, the key thing that you need to do in this industry is constantly innovate. Uh, you, you've got to be able to constantly innovate. All right, let's change tack slightly and uh, let's talk about the partnership between Callminer and Genie Analytics. Um, Frank, I'm going to call you on you again here. Um, how did the partnership form and can you expand on the different areas of expertise the, company, the companies have and how they work together? 
Okay, so 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 just to give you a sort of context to that, you know, we're a, we're a Boston US headquartered company with our international office over here in, in in the UK, actually in Nottingham in the middle of the UK. But 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 we our go-to-market approach, you know, outside of what you what you'd say was the near domestic markets has always been a mix of direct and indirect, i.e. direct is we 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 sell, deliver, support ourselves indirect where, where we do it through partners and we've made progress in in, in the last several years in south africa you know we we, we we recognize the potential for the market we went in and and we we delivered you know um great projects to great customers but but we felt that the what we lacked was was two things one is we don't have that in the market domain expertise. It's really difficult to try and replicate or, or, or pretend you can do that from the UK. And two, you know, we lacked an organization that thought like us, that understood our space you know, broadly in conversation analytics, in AI and machine learning. And if we could find a partner that was in South Africa that had them skills, we believe that it would be beneficial for us for the partner and for the prospects that we sell the technology to, to help them improve their businesses. So, so that's really uh, where, where the partnership came across, came to life was in Genie uh, Analytics. We did find, you know, a partner that ticked those boxes, you know, that had been around for, I think Peter said, six years, yeah. built up a good portfolio of customers, absolutely spoke and understood the language of AI and machine learning highly respected in the marketplace and that's 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 how we've come to peter and i came to pass and but peter and i didn't know each other peter didn't we just uh, as an offside of that you know we'd worked in we'd worked in genesis um many years ago so so we also knew each other which i think helps you know we already mm. had a relationship yeah it's um uh, if I can expand on that a little bit, I think uh, I heard someone say many years ago, I, I was particularly involved in the speech analytics when I was at Genesis. Um, uh, someone then said to me, you don't uh, buy speech analytics, you do speech analytics. And I think it's, 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 it's a subtle uh, difference in, in the words, but it's a big difference in, in the way you need to approach it. And you need to have the skills and ability to, to understand this potential and this capability, but also the ability to understand your organization and where and how to apply it. Because we find so many times we're getting in, into organizations and it doesn't matter how large and mature they are or how small and, and, uh, and, and basic they are, they're just, there's so much noise in the marketplace. There's so much choice. Uh, there's so much fear of failure. There's a lot of money at stake. There's a lot of time to value uh, considerations. And, and it's a bit of a maze uh, uh, for, the, for the customers to, to navigate this. And, and they don't really know where to focus. And, and the truth is, it's not a, it doesn't have to be a big bank. Because if you invest in speech analytics, you're going to do it for a long period of time. So invest it smartly, and, and it's a journey. And, uh, and I think we've uh, been very successful in helping our customers uh, get through that maze and, and make the right decision and informed decisions. Because part of the, the, one of the biggest problems is, 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 is just following the hype and, and following, I, I just need to cut costs, or I need to automate for the sake of automation, or I need to, to just follow the trends but it's really if you do it to the back back uh, on the basis of good insights and understanding where your opportunities lie and where the problems that you can solve are and how they can be solved i think we we we, we de-risk the whole project entirely and so it's an insights driven approach and uh and and uh um and, and just making sure that uh, we associate the right ri 
uh, with the right projects and, uh, and, 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 and get success early on. I think that's mm-hmm. the, the key to, to, to making this overall solution of success. Maybe, Peter, just expand a little bit on, um, on how you work together with CallMiner on customer engagements. So, so CallMiner offers a lot of support. Obviously, they know their product better than, in a, than, a, than we do. But we understand the, the, the space. We understand our customers' needs. And we understand how to use their product. Uh, and so when we engage, obviously, we, we share leverage our strengths and, uh, and a deep understanding of their product and where it's worked and how it's been effective in, in, in similar or different places around the world is, is, is invaluable. But I think we have enough uh, experience in Gini. We may have only been here six years, but we've had a lot of experience as individuals elsewhere. Sure. We have enough experience to really understand how to apply this and how to, to, to make it uh, work for our customers. And I think what's nice is that we come from this conversational analytics background uh, and we have our own tools and, and, and capabilities and technology to, to help customers transform and get down to causal factors and, and the root causes and deeper understanding of what's going on in the organization to inform and drive change. And I think, and that allows us very naturally to get very quickly into a customer's world and understand where they're on, what, they, uh, what they're experiencing, what their needs are, what their opportunities are. And, and, it, and, it, and it just diffuses the, the, the solution a lot. And what we find is, is customers are, 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 are enjoying and, 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 the, the, and leveraging the capability of uh, speech analytics to, to really monitor, keep their finger on the pulse, monitor the vital signs in the organization and make sure that you know, when they're sleeping, things are being watched and, and, and monitored and measured. And, and the fact that we can complement that with the, the ability to, to, to deal with things that go out of line, that, that a speech analytics solution is as detected as, as, as not going in the right direction or problem surfacing. Uh, and we can provide a complete solution in that we're not only detecting that and measuring it, we're also giving them the strength to uh, to do something about it. Uh, so I think that combination of, of their strength, our strength is is really what makes it uh, uh, work for us. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, sort, I'd sort of paraphrase it really simply. that We train and enable um, Genie um, and we're there, we're there if, if and when they need us. That, that because they've got the market knowledge, because they've got that that wealth of experience and expertise, you know that we can trust that the genie will raise their hands if they need help and support from us, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. provide it. Great. Before we wrap today, I know we started this discussion looking back at uh, technology developments in the South African context over the last few years, but I'd like to end the podcast actually by looking forward a few years um, and, and just where the market is going, what sort of developments we're likely to see in the technology space in South Africa and what it means in this space specifically and what it means for South African companies. Um, Frank, what new advancements in technology are coming that have got you excited and, and you think are going to be applied here in South Africa as well? I think it would do it from, from, from my area of expertise, the whole sort of conversation analytics and use of data. Um, I think we'll see more and more real-time in-the-moment analytics. So as conversations are actually happening, the conversations are being analysed and guidance and prompts to 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 the call center agent wow. to help to help them better manage that experience in the moment to deliver thoughts on their best action to them based on the real-time analytics and i also think we'll see more and more because of ai modeling and, and, and the wealth of data that can now be modeled we'll see more and more of analytics that predicts things now, it predicts based on the conversation, is that customer likely to buy? 
are they perhaps likely to leave you? You know, are you going to experience customer churn? Um, <clears throat> are they likely to, to do a survey? So I think we'll see almost in my world <clears throat> a combination of real-time and predictive analytics uh, rapidly coming in as, a, as the icing on the cake for, for, for after the event um, post-conversation analytics. And we're, we're really excited now. We're doing some, some really good things in, in that space at the moment. Uh, you know, we've got some customers already that are, are running real-time analytics. Um, not in South Africa yet, but I'm sure that's going <coughs> to be coming soon, Peter. Um, but, you know, and the amount of, the amount of research, the, the, the predictiveness, mm. making it, but it's about making it easy for customers. Can you imagine, Duncan, you're having a conversation, you're, yeah, and the agents being guided that, that what you know what what Frank's really after is is a tariff change. Yeah, so let's not talk to him about about you know change of address or whatever it may be that you talk to him about. Mm-hmm. We've looked at it, we've profiled it, we've we've looked at the intro of the conversation. This is where he's going to. I, mean, I just I think it's going to be. I'm really excited about it. I think that that's that's. So next time, next time I'm speaking to a call center agent, it may not just be the two of us on the line. There may be a third party, an artificial intelligence of some kind, <laughs> helping that agent along. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, I, I, yeah. You've seen a little, you've seen a little bit of that, I guess, Duncan, with, with, mm-hmm. with things like like some of the automated chatbots that you see these days, or the automated um, uh, virtual assistants, almost. Yeah. Yeah. But but but, but, but they are they are although they are intuitive or they come across as intuitive to, to, to the consumer, they're really good at dealing with, with, with basic transactional type stuff. Yeah. That yeah. you know, they operate within a framework when you've got true unstructured free flow conversation and you can advise the agent as to what to do next. I mean, I, I think that's, that's, that's the difference, but it's going to be, mm. I shouldn't say I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's in, in my space. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. I do have some thoughts about the broader but technology, sure. but perhaps Peter could Peter could probably share them as well. Yeah, Peter, what are you excited about? Well, well, we've seen been investing for, for for many years now in in trying to get smarter. And, you know, our whole theory was it's easy to know what's happened in in the, in the context of the environment. We've got lots of stats on that. Um, speech analytics and and the stuff that Jeannie's doing is allowing us to understand why it's happening. And uh, and we've always had this belief right from the outset: if you if you know what happened and you know why it happened, you can start predicting what's going to happen. Mm. Of course, all of that uh, needs to be underpinned by good data. And uh, Frank touched on the real time nature of that data, the consistency, and 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 the reliability of that data that products like not only speech analytics but others are, are making available just really fuels the whole AI approach. It makes AI a, a lot more uh, um, uh, enabled. And uh, and what we're seeing is is that the the introduction of uh, understanding the social sciences of individuals, which come out of the context of their conversations and out of the what they're saying and, and, and how they're behaving, but but understanding that that those their personalities, their behavioural traits, their ritualistic patterns in in real time allows us to make some really smart predictions. And not only that, uh, moving to the space of uh, real time recommendate recommenders, which are you know autonomous and automated and mm. proactively reaching out to customers, trying to nudge them and and intervene and influence. And you get lots of text messages, I'm sure, from your service providers and banks and all that type of stuff and and the science behind those is really ballooning at the moment and we we, we see a lot of uptake on that but it's all fueled uh, by um obviously a lot of uh, smart uh, data science but but 
needs real-time, good, solid, reliable, consistent uh, data insights, um, which uh, which is really ballooning at the moment. So we're pretty excited about that ability to do real-time smart agent matching, uh, you know, agent uh, guidance in, in real-time uh, uh, from this. So it's a, it's an exciting space for us. So I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Are we heading uh, to an, a situation where at some point in the future, most, if not all of the call center interactions that a consumer has are actually not with a human being, but with some sort of automated robot? No, I, I don't see that as, as being the case. I think what you, what you will see is more of the low-level transactional type stuff being automated and some of the back office stuff being automated with things like robotic process automation. But, but, but the, really, the, really, the, more, the less transactional, the more complex conversations will always be a need. When people stop talking to people, there'll no longer be a need for civilization. People, <laughs> need, people need to talk to people. So, so, so we'll, see, we'll see that because they're dealing with more complex, the people are dealing with more complex issues, uh, technology like real-time that we spoke about before, helping and guiding them to get the best possible you know, outcome for the consumer and for the business. I think finally, Duncan, just just on that mm. question about what we see next, I'm seeing this in the UK and I'm seeing it in South Africa now as well. Some of these traditional uh, industries like financial services, they they they, they had traditionally been been siloed on 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 premise architectures that sit behind their firewalls because of you know paranoia around and quite right around security, etc. But because of the rigor and vigor you see now in cloud-based solutions with security, we're seeing more and more of the, of the of particularly in financial services organizations, moving that infrastructure to the cloud, being more cloud-savvy, being more cloud-friendly. And, and, and the reason they're doing it is because they can readily take advantages of technologies, like our technology, um, to at a lower cost, but also to deliver better customer experience and, and cloud is continually updated. It's really easy to update cloud-based systems. It's, you, know, it's, you don't need to establish an IT and a project team to do an upgrade. So I think that that's the other, the other area, financial services. I think the move to the cloud and financial services will gather pace. Fascinating. I think this is one of the most exciting areas of, of technology around at the moment. And uh, I look forward to seeing how it uh, develops. If anyone wants to learn more about Call Miner, what is your website, Frank? www.callminer.com and anybody who wants to just just when they arrive at the site we have a learning center just go on the learning center you can look at white papers download um, webinars ebooks as a a wealth of information for anybody who's interested brilliant and uh, peter genie analytics what's the uh, what's the website if anyone wants to learn more the website is genieanalytics.com so it's g-e-n-i-i analytics.com Easy enough. Gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing your insights with uh, Tech Central today. Frank Shaw is Vice President for International Markets at Callminer, and Peter Flanagan is MD of Genie Analytics. Mm-hmm.